Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We've been in a, a series called Live by Faith. Uh, Pastor Ryan kind of laid the groundwork last week of what it means to live a life of faith. Faith is ultimately um, believing in God, not knowing what we see around the corner. And this has been an important time for our church more than ever. And the real, you know, underlying reason for us to do this series is because we are in a time where we need to live by faith more than ever, perhaps, in our church as a people. So uh, faith is ultimately uh, the hope for the future that you can't quite see yet. It's, um, it's what we're called to as followers of Jesus Christ. And the reality is that there is no better life than one that is lived by faith. So today we're going to take a look at what it means to, to live by faith despite our own perhaps self-imposed limitations. And we'll also find out through a, a story of Gideon. Uh, in the Bible of what it means to live by faith despite when the odds are in your favor, when things are stacked up against you, when you feel like you don't have enough, God will do a miracle in your life. And there's proof of that in the word of God in the scriptures. So we're gonna jump to the scripture. It's in uh, Hebrews 11, verse one, two, and six. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Interesting, to please God, to walk with God, we have to have faith. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced a a trust fall. People still doing those these days? There's something... uh, Special, I find at least with trust falls, when you just close your eyes and fall back and believe that someone's going to catch you. I don't know if you've ever not been caught by a trust fall, but it's not a fun experience. And I just think that's something like our Heavenly Father is the same way. I think He loves it when we don't know what's going to happen, but we're trusting, we're believing by faith that He's going to catch us. Doesn't that warm your heart just thinking of a trust fall into the... Heavenly Father's arms, I know it sure does mine. <laughs> so uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, right, Pastor Ryan spent some time uh, on it last week. It's, it's known as the Hall of Faith. Um, so there's a whole bunch of people that are uh, commended as being these uh, amazing people of faith uh, that Sarah was able to have a child because of her faith, that uh, Moses' parents uh, hid him for three months hid him for three months after he was born because of their faith that Abel brought a more acceptable uh, sacrifice than Cain because of his faith. All throughout the scripture, the, the hall of faith mentions all these different people. And then it gets to verse 32, which we'll read together on the screen. He says, how much more do I need to say? As if it's like, I, don't, I just couldn't go on anymore. There's so much you know, to say but I wouldn't have the time to say it. It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, 
ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Sorry, I jumped ahead and I'm controlling my slide, so you may have lost me. But you can catch up on the screen. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. There it is. So after listing all these people off, the Lord, or sorry, the guy uh, mentions uh, these attributes of, attributes of Gideon, who essentially said that he was able to overthrow kingdoms, that his weakness was turned to strength, that he was strong in battle, and he put whole armies to flight. So uh, if you don't know about Gideon, uh, maybe you uh, aren't familiar with him in the Bible, uh, he's a, a guy that was full of some insecurities. He, uh, he struggled with the call of the Lord on his life, and he felt like he wasn't enough. Now, I don't know, is there anyone who deals with insecurity in the room? You can just put your hand up. Wow, you don't, now you won't struggle with it anymore. You just put your hand up in front of a, a huge group of people. So there is healing in the house of the Lord. Come on, that's awesome. I really didn't think anyone would raise their hand, but you are a strong people. Wow. So... Uh, so the, the, the context here, now the angel of the Lord is going to appear to Gideon, and we're going to draw some things out um, in, in Judges where Gideon's story is, and maybe you've never heard of him, we'll just kind of walk through uh, some of his story and draw some stuff out of what it truly means to live this life of faith. So in Judges chapter 6, Gideon is found at the wine press, uh, which is like a pit in the middle of the land, and he was threshing wheat. Now, normally, um, in this day and age, you would thresh wheat. I don't know, does anyone still thresh wheat in the house? Probably not. Yeah, maybe one person up front, thank you. Uh, but you would have to raise, like throw up the wheat and allow the wind to blow away the chaff. So it was usually done in an exposed and open area. But at this point in time, the, this Midianite army was attacking the Israelites and they would steal all their food. So here's Gideon in the, in the bottom of this pit in this wine press, threshing wheat, basically just working to provide food for his family. And we'll read the scripture together in Judges chapter six. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Now, there's a couple of things I want to walk through in this scripture as we move forward this morning. It's interesting First of all, to note that this angel of the Lord is actually a pre-incarnate Jesus. It's a, uh, what's referred to as a Christophany. So it's basically Jesus Christ appearing to Gideon before he actually comes in the flesh as a baby boy into the world. So this is the Lord that he is speaking to. This is Jesus that he's speaking to. And the first words he says to Gideon is, mighty hero, the Lord is 
is with you. And Gideon's kind of like, me? No one's ever called me that. In fact, I'm not that whatsoever. And let me give you all these reasons why. This is the insecurity that I was speaking to. Gideon saw himself in a way that uh, God didn't see him as. Gideon saw himself from his past and his current situation. The Lord spoke to him as the person that he was making him to be. And I believe that's how God sees us. God doesn't call us by our past or even our present situation. He calls us by name in the victorious person that he's making us to be as we walk by faith with Jesus Christ. Now, later in verse 13, he says, why has all this stuff happened to us? And why am I going through this hard time threshing wheat in the, in the wine press? You know, I'm just working here, doing my thing. And God doesn't even respond to his objections. He doesn't dignify it with a response. He turns to him and he just says, just go. Go with the strength that you have to rescue Israel. Now, I think this is, these are very important words to consider. And you look at Gideon's life and where he was at. Oftentimes, we wait to be ready or think that we're ready to respond and answer the call of God in our lives. If you look at Gideon's life and where he was at, he's simply trying to provide for his family and not get killed. He's in a weak, sad spot surrounded by the enemy and that is when God shows up to him and calls him forward and says mighty warrior God's with you I have a plan for you he we can't wait to be ready because we will never be ready the truth is we're not ready are there any parents in the room that felt that they were ready to have children <laughs> Joel's very prepared more so your wife probably but we're never ready, but God equips us to the call that he has for us. So um, Gideon continued to struggle with this uncertainty as to whether or not he would be enough. He didn't see himself as enough, but the Lord said, I am enough. I will be enough for you. And I think that's important for us to consider today in our own lives, are we trying to do things by our own strength and not releasing things to the Lord, saying, I can make this happen, and that in itself is pride. Or we're too low and we don't see ourselves the way the Lord sees us, and we just think, man, I just, I'll never amount to anything. That in itself, too, can be pride because you think it's up to you to fix the situation. Let me tell you, you cannot fix the sin problem that we struggle with, what we're born into this world with, and that we will constantly struggle against, which is the flesh, which we're battling back over these next seven days, prayer and fasting, shameless self-plug, excited for that. God is enough. The undeserved favor of the Lord that is upon your life is enough when we are not. Now, to be honest, this can be um, a difficult thing to grasp or to accept. You know, here's oh, another preacher telling me to trust in God. You know, it's this these Christian cliches. Just don't worry, you know, trust in God. And it, what is that supposed to mean? What am I supposed to do? Just, you know, trust in God? Like, 
What does this even mean? Now, what we're going to discover in these next few verses is how uh, God will actually work with you, with your doubts, your uncertainties, even maybe walking into the house today and you're like, I just don't know about this whole God thing, but I want to check it out. God actually wants to work with you and help you in your doubts. As you walk forward, he will confirm the good work that he's started with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Gideon basically has these uh, multiple challenges and tasks after the angel of the Lord, Jesus, appears to him. And he's like, okay, so now I got to go fight this enemy. This is going to be a big deal. I don't really know. Um, prove it to me that you're the Lord and wait here while I go get a sacrifice. And he runs off and he goes and gets a young goat and some bread and then presents it to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, poof, it completely disappears. And then Jesus disappears. And he's like, oh man, I'm dead. I've seen the, I've seen the Lord. I'm going to die. Um, that was just one example of a, of a test and a confirmation to prove that it was the Lord speaking to him. Uh, later, a few verses over, before he's to attack the, uh, the enemy army, he presents a fleece, a wool fleece. And he says, Lord, if this is from you, if you're asking me to do this, then make the fleece wet and all the ground around it dry in the morning. What happens? The fleece is wet. He's got a bowl full of water, squeezes it out. And then he's like, listen, God, that was awesome. I love that miracle for us. Thank you for that. Uh, now, can you just do the opposite of that miracle? Just if it's not too much trouble, this time make the fleece dry and the ground wet. Could you do that? And what I love, and this is part of God's character, is he doesn't say, oh my goodness, I could literally kill you right now. This is so embarrassing. You're right. You are the weakest of your stupid little clan. You shouldn't even game online. This is an embarrassment. He doesn't do that. He's like, oh, okay, sure, son. Uh, let me do that for you. And he answers with another miracle. Now, again, they're, they're about to fight the enemy, the Midianites. And the Lord says to him, okay, Gideon, Go, you've got the army, you've got him surrounded, go. But he doesn't even let Gideon reply. He actually says, but if you're afraid to attack, because he knew he would be afraid to attack. He said, but let me help you in this. And he said, go down to the camp and, and I'll, I'll show you something there. So he, here he is sneaking down with one of the servants into the camp and all the Midianites are in this uh, this area, and he overhears two of these Midianites talking. And so there's Gideon, considering whether to attack, looking for another sign from the Lord, looking for more confirmation that this is God and that he'll be with them. And what is he overhear? But two dudes talking about a dream. And he's like, yeah, tell me about the dream that you had. And he's like, well, I saw this giant loaf of bread. This is, I just believe this is the tr just the truth of scripture because the dream doesn't really make that much sense. A giant barley loaf of bread. Uh, and it came tumbling down the hill and then it knocked over a tent. Like big deal. It's a silly little tent. They weren't that, you know, supportive back in those days. And then the, the, the other guy responds and he's like, I think he was a little dramatic, but he's like, 
You know what that means? That, that the, the, the Gideon and his army, the Lord's army, the Israelites that are up on that hill, that means that we're dead, that God is with them. Now talk about God like superpowering a dream for the enemy, but that's what he does. He causes Gideon to be like, oh man, that reassures me, that gives me confidence that God's in it because a loaf of bread is taking these guys out and I'm the loaf of bread. There's probably some good study as to what the actual interpretation of the bread was, but I didn't have time for that. So come back next week. We're gonna do a full series on a loaf of bread, uh, the different types of bread and what they mean in your dreams. It's going to be a blast. It will not be dry. You have to, <laughs> you have to check it out. All right. So now we, we are discovering more of God's character in Gideon and through his story. See, God wasn't angry with Gideon for needing a sign. He wasn't upset with him but he worked with them through it. Now here he is. He starts to say, okay, now here's how we're going to uh, beat this enemy army. Sorry, I'm just going to get my slides back up here. It said it was reconnecting. So, Brittany, you might need, oh yeah, that's the wrong one. You might need to help me here. Playlist. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. So uh, if you can bring it up for me, Ryan, it'll be in Judges uh, 7, verse 1. And I'll just read it as we get it up. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. It says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. So now Gideon has confirmation from God. He's going to get his warriors and attack the enemy. So here we are. He says, the Lord says to him, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. <laughs> so 22,000 of them went home. How many of you would have been part of the 22,000? I'm just going to say, <laughs> the game's on this weekend. I understand you're going out to battle, but I might just take a, a rain check for this one. That left only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will go not. So the story goes, Gideon separates them into uh, two groups by the um, word of the Lord. And, and in one group, there are those who um, drink <laughs> right from the stream, like basically lay down and they go down to the stream and they just quench their thirst. They're parched. And then there are those, a few, who lap up the water into their hands and drink it like this, all the while keeping a defense and awareness in case the enemy could attack, as opposed to <laughs> just flat on your face, stick in your mouth in the stream. Again, I find a lot of identity in this story as potentially one of those who would be just sticking your mouth into the stream. But they were left defenseless and could be killed by the enemy. And I just got to say, there, there is something to this scripture about a, um, a, a uh, spiritual awareness that we need to have as followers of Jesus Christ with whatever doing, whatever task we're doing, that we need to have a special awareness and a spiritual awareness to what's going on. There's things happening in the, in, the, in the heavenly realms, the scripture, you know, clearly. And that doesn't mean we need to get all weird and, you know, um, crazy, but it just needs to, means that we need to be aware. We need to be focused on what's going on so that we don't get caught up. 
because there's uh, an enemy out there and he's looking to take you out, but he won't in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Come on. So now from over 30,000 warriors, there are now 300. Only 300 did not drink with their faces to the water. The army was reduced to less than 1% of its original size. And Ryan did the math for me, so you can bank on it. (laughs) I love you, Pastor Ryan. So the odds were there were 400 Midianites to one Israelite soldier. And then the Lord told Gideon, he said, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Now, talk about needing to have faith. Uh, So, sorry, God, but you're saying we're actually going to reduce the amount of the army and go with less. I love you and all, and you've been faithful in like this whole sign confirmation thing, but wouldn't it make sense to, I don't know, maybe have more warriors help us fight these guys rather than less warriors fight these guys? The risk was that if they did it, they would think it was because of their great strength. And the Lord's saying, no, it's not victory if you think it's all because of you. You know why? Because that's going to cause you to stumble. It's going to cause you to fall into sin. And the, the Israelites back and forth, back and forth from serving other gods, worshiping other gods, instead of just saying, God, we want to give you the victory and give you the glory. It's all because of you and stay humble as a people. So Gideon had to trust God here because there was nothing else to trust in. The 300 would get victory because God would get the glory for it. And he knew that this would require faith in Gideon. Oftentimes, God does that in our lives. You know, we think, oh, it'd be be easier or be better if, God, you just did it this way. But there is something that he is teaching us. There is something he is training us for to, to know that God can do a whole lot more with less. God has a a plan that is bigger than you and we just can't quite see it. And that's the point, to live by faith that God, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but I believe you will do it. I asked if you're gonna do it, you said you're gonna do it. So I will take you at your word and I will believe that victory is coming. Although I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I feel like we're gonna die. There's only 300 of us, but let's go. So here they are. Gideon takes these 300 men and gives them each, you know, what you would probably prefer for your weapons, which is number one, uh, a ram's horn. So you got to always have a good quality trumpet when you're going into battle. Uh, A clay jar, because you might get bored and want to paint or something or make a planter. I mean, you never know. And a torch. So maybe one weapon seems useful. So a ram's horn, a clay torch, sorry, a clay jar and a torch. God says, surround the uh, Midianite camp. So they're kind of up a little bit. And here down below is all the Midianite warriors, uh, over 100,000 warriors, historians and theologians agree. I just had to say that somewhere because it sounds so profound, like I actually researched that. I'm assuming they did because I think it was over 100,000, but it was a lot. If you do the the math from 400 to 1, 
400 times 300. Right, right? <laughs> so well, well over 100,000. <laughs> now, you know, here they are. He says, he says, at my command, I want you to uh, smash the jar and then uh, uncover your torch. Stand there with your torch and then play the horn, play the trumpet. It's like, okay, this doesn't quite make sense. Now, what's interesting, uh, generally only officers would carry a torch. So they, they, the Midianites would be of the mind, perhaps, that there are many more warriors because there are 300 torches. So they thought there would be 300 officers and maybe 300,000 you know, people as part of this army. So they smash the jars they shout and play the trumpet as they lift up the uh, torch and they blow into the ram's horn and they say, a, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Do 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 Smash the pot. Do 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 do. What are we doing? We're still just playing. Is this, a, I don't know, is this in tune or should I play something more, more aggressive and mean? Do 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 do. There, that sounds better. Boom, boom. And meanwhile, what happens? If we have the scripture, Pastor Ryan, you can put it up for me. It's there. It says, each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other. With their swords, those who were not killed fled. God caused the little to do something miraculous. In a way that only God does, he takes these 300 people, these torches, the sound of the smashing and the blowing of the ram's horns, and all these guys wake up, it's like one in the morning, and they're like, what do we do? I don't know. There's a ton of them. Let's just start killing people. And they just start defeating each other. That is the way that God works in a way that we can't see in the natural, that God will cause your enemies, what it is that you're facing, to fight amongst each other. And all you have to do there is stand and watch. And maybe play a little trumpet and bring a torch. But that's how our God works. Now, Gideon didn't know this. He couldn't fathom or foresee how this would play out. But here is a man who was insecure, uncertain, needed constant affirmation. Am I preaching to anyone here in the room that God is with him? And then God was like, yes, I'll be with you. Are you sure? Yes, I'll be with you. But are you really sure? Yes, I'll be with you. And then go with the strength that you have and rescue the Israelites. I will destroy the enemy as if you're fighting against one man. And God did it. Yeah. There is breakthrough, there is victory so that God could get the glory. God is working in your life right now and he's asking you, he's like, will you let me help you with this? You've been trying to do it on your own strength. No more. Will you allow me to help you with this? It won't make sense. Why, God, why are you doing this? this? Shouldn't we do it this way? And he's like, you tried your plan. It didn't work. Will you let me help you? I believe that's a, a season we're in as a church to live by faith, even though we don't know what the outcome will be. 
that we will by faith believe that God will help us and that he will be victorious so that whatever that is that you're facing, it'll be a testimony to others who are going through the same thing. Maybe something you're struggling with today. Maybe sin, candidly, missing the mark in a certain area of your life and you're trying to cope and you're trying to deal with the stress of it and you're, you're feeling guilt or condemnation or all this stuff around it and, and Jesus wants to take that for you. He died on the cross for you. And so that when you tell your story, months, weeks, years, whatever it is from now, you can say, you know, I was in a place where I just, I realized I, I needed God. I tried to do this on my own and I couldn't anymore. And I gave it to the Lord. I invited him in. I asked him to help me and he transformed and changed my life. Because as you do that, as people hear your testimony, they too will allow the power of God to transform and change them.